0: On today's episode, we are going to begin a series sharing my story that will go through the entire month of March. Many of you have reached out to me and kind of said, how did you create this success? How did you get into real estate? And so I said to myself, well, hey, I've never really shared this entire story. Why don't I share it on the podcast? And so that's what we are going to do here in March. So basically, we're going to go back the entire story to losing my last w2 job and even before that and all the way to now basically there's eight pivotal stories or seasons that i've been through during that time since you know the w2 life getting into real estate not having a deal for my first nine or 10 months, kind of everything that happened with this, all the way to now having a very successful real estate business and building these other things on the side. And so today we are going to start that journey and we are gonna talk about losing my last W-2 job. So the episode title, February 26th of 2019, that was probably the worst day of my life. And now, you know, I look back and sort of laugh because it turned out to be, One of the greatest days of my life and one of the greatest things to ever happen to me. But I'll kind of rewind, kind of tell you the story, everything that happened, and then kind of start from there. And then on the next episode, we'll kind of talk about what happened after that, as I kind of had a lull and then deciding to get my real estate license after that. And so we'll kind of have eight episodes as well as the interviews this month where we kind of share my entire journey. So let's jump into it. You know, it's very interesting because we'll jump back a little bit to before February 26, that specific day. <laughs> you know, I could talk about the dozens of W-2 jobs that I've had. And for the most part, they never worked out. Some of them I left because I was always so busy looking for the next things. Some of those I lost my job. And in all of these, you know, some of them were my fault and I wasn't performing to the role I was required and I lost my job. And others were I moved on to something else. For the most part, I don't know that I ever intentionally at any of these jobs did anything that were wrong. You know, there were certain things that happened, especially during one of my stops at Chick-fil-A, where I was doing something that another manager was doing. They encouraged me to do, they told me to do, and then got fired for it (laughs) at another Chick-fil-A that I worked at. I was at another store and was trying to constantly improve things, and the general manager of the store was the brother-in-law of the operator, and basically ended up where there was a clashing of the minds with me trying to improve and him kind of just wanting things his way. I remember thinking I was doing a great job and then finding out later that I wasn't. I still remember to this day a conversation that I had with the operator one day at the store, and... I've tried to block a lot of this out of my mind, some of these horror stories, but I had always kind of felt nervous in my W-2 jobs. It was kind of like when you go through a bad breakup and you're constantly jaded and always feel like you're in trouble. And that's how I was probably from the time I was in my 20s to 27, whenever in my W-2 journey. It just felt like every single stop, there was an issue. And I remember even saying to the operator, like, hey, am I doing a good job? Am I doing well? And that happened at other jobs. I was often told, no, stop freaking out. You're fine. And I still remember being told by the operator, like, why do you freak out? Why do you act like you're always in trouble? And I would say like, well, because at previous jobs, I was told I wasn't in trouble and then would lose my job. And so Literally remember the conversation with the operator. He was about to send me to another store out of state where I was going to learn and train with another operator. I thought at the time I wanted to be a Chick-fil-A operator. And so I was on a track that basically would put you into a leadership development program with corporate Chick-fil-A a A few years later. I had had friends that had done it. Lots of friends in Chick-fil-A that did really well there. I still love Chick-fil-A as a company. Love what they stand for and still support them. But anyway, just kind of realized it wasn't for me after losing two jobs there. But all that to say, I still remember that conversation with the operator and saying, Hey, you know, am I doing okay? Is there anything I can do? And him saying like, no, you're doing great. Don't worry about it. Things are great. And then I was let go the next day. (laughs) Again, never written up, never anything like that. And then just one day gone. And I just never was good at W2 jobs. And it's not just Chick-fil-A, you know, I was in Pittsburgh for a period of time. I would met my wife just before I went out there. But I had a lot of success out there in Pittsburgh, kind of got put in charge of one thing and then another and then another. Was working for a friend out there and he moved to a new location and the relationship here was getting serious. And so I decided I didn't want to go to the new location. And Chick-fil-A had an interim manager in there, my friend Jonathan, who's still a great friend today, listens to the show. Love you, bro. But basically, he came into the store. I connected well with him. Now, again, like I still had flaws, still had things to work on. But overall, I did a great job, was a great employee, had good things that I was doing. And I remember when I was about to come home to the final Chick-fil-A, he said to me, what could I do to keep you here? And I said, I'm not staying. It's not a number. It's not how much you pay me. I want to be near Valerie. And it's funny how God works And I just believe that all of these things are providential. Every single experience, every bad experience or things like that, I feel like they brought me to now. But it's very funny, the timing, because, you know, he asked me, what would I have to do to keep you here? And I said I was not going to stay. And he kind of told me, you know, some suggestions for improving as I went to my next location and, you know, asked me, could I keep you? And I literally remember I said this exact phrase. I said, if you want to keep me here, move your Chick-fil-A to Reading, Pennsylvania, where I live. And so I left. I went to work at the Chick-fil-A that I was at in Pottstown. And I remember during my time at that Chick-fil-A, he called me and said, hey, tell me about the Berkshire Mall. And I said, what do you want to know? It's a great Chick-fil-A there. My now brother-in-law was the former operator. And I knew it was a great store with a lot of potential and I knew they had some struggles for, you know, being a mall location, but I said it was a great location, great area. So he ended up applying to be the operator there. And I mean, obviously this didn't happen overnight, but through the process was selected to be the operator of that location. Now it's hilarious because had I waited six months, had I been in Pittsburgh, I probably would have moved back to Reading with him and worked at that store. And, you know, maybe it would have been great because we had a great relationship. Maybe it wouldn't have. But I still feel like, again, everything was providential. When I lost my last job at Chick-fil-A, had the clash with the operator's brother-in-law, the general manager, went into banking, worked at a few different locations, had some success with it, got a promotion four months into my first job in banking as one of the top employees, decided probably six months to a year after that that I was enjoying banking, worked for a local bank. And for various reasons, I'm not going to share names. I'm I'm really not trying to be Bitter Betty here on the podcast. But I worked there, really enjoyed it was probably in the branch, man, a year, year and a half, and then went to apply for what's called their management training program. Basically, they select eight people a year. You've got to be in the top certain percentage that they interviewed. They told us that they had about a 1,000 candidates for eight spots, with four of them being internal candidates. You know, I had been in a branch for a while there at that bank, so I was an internal candidate. And, you know, the odds weren't great that I would get the job, but I did, was very thankful at the time. And knew my gifts, knew, you know, in every bank that I had ever worked at, that I've crushed sales numbers, had a lot of success, built relationship. And so as I went into this program, I knew I'm good at sales. I'm good at relationships. And for each rotation you go through, you kind of figure out, Hey, here's what I like here. Here's what I don't. Here's what I'm good at. Where are my skills? And I remember saying, hey, I want to be a relationship manager, a relationship manager. Think of it as someone that would go out, like meeting clients, building relationships to expand the banking relationship. And so I said, I'm good at sales. I'm good at relationship. Sound familiar? This is exactly what I do every day now as a realtor. Again, providential where I ended up. But during this time at the bank, I said, I want to be a relationship manager or mortgage loan officer, something like that. That was, you know, sales, relationships, etc. And I remember during the whole time, and again, not going to throw names under the bus, but during my entire time at the bank, you know, three years, never written up, never reprimanded, nothing like that. And during this whole time, now again, not going to throw people under the bus. I continued to also say that I wanted to be in something with sales outside of a branch so mortgage loan officer, relationship manager, things like that. And you know one of the hard parts about this program and I'm not trying to criticize, but one of the hard parts is you're meeting with all these higher ups. You're meeting with the CEO, CFO, COO, all these different higher ups. And then you're kind of learning, you know, you go to these rotations, you spend sometimes 1 month, sometimes a couple of weeks. I think I was in the program For about 15 months. And so 15 months, I went through 12 or 14 rotations somewhere in there. And so you're really having to adapt and be adaptable because you're changing jobs, you know, every two months at most and sometimes every two or three weeks. And, you know, that was definitely a learning experience. You know, it didn't work out. But I think every single story teaches you something. And I learned to be adaptable. I would be in one rotation working on a project thinking I'd be working on this project for a few months and then boom, you know, the next day, snap your fingers and they said, oh no, we need you to go over here for this new special project. And so I enjoyed my time there. And again, never written up, never reprimanded in my entire banking career. And I still remember the conversation, you know, they try to sort of phase you out in the like 12 to 18 months phase of the program because they bring the new people in for the next class the next year and I still remember the conversation with my manager where they said we want you to go back into a branch role you know and I said this on one of the interviews I did I said I'm not going back into a branch role I joined this supposedly exclusive program because I don't want to be in the branch I wanted to figure out what of all these options within the bank would be the next fit for me I wanted to figure out what I was good at and you're telling me that you want me to go back to the branch and they said yes you know you could be an assistant branch manager or branch manager that's what you're going to do and this conversation guys was probably the defining moment that turned me into such an anti w 2 if that's even a phrase because I remember them saying, yes, you can be an assistant branch manager or branch manager one day. And so I said, wait a second. So the best I'm ever going to be is a branch manager here making $50,000, 60000 a year. And they said, yep, that's where we're going to send you. And I said, no, like, I don't want to do that. Now, I said, what was the point of the program if you're just gonna send me right back to the branch where I came from. I thought the point of the program was to develop skills, find out where your gifts are, and go and do that. Well, what ended up happening is they do help you develop skills. I learned so much, met so many amazing people, many of whom are still friends of mine. But I think one of the issues I found with the program was that, yes, they want to teach you things and skills, but they put people where they need people, right? I didn't want a branch rotation. I had been in the branch. I didn't want to go back to the branch. I knew the good, bad, and ugly of working in a retail branch, and I didn't want to do that. And so they basically told me, like, no, that's where you're going to go. And I was never reprimanded. I was never told, hey, take this job or we're going to get rid of you. But I remember the conversation where I said, my skills are not best in the branch. You're just telling me this. And part of the issue with the program was they would send you where they had a need. And I said, you're just telling me you have a need in the branch and you want me to go apply and be the assistant branch manager. And I don't want to do that. And they were like, well, yes, but we have a need there. You need to go, you know, and you need to figure out over the next few weeks what branch you're going to go to. And I said, I'm not going there. That's not where my gifts are. I'm good at sales, but I'm not going to be in a retail branch. Part of it was wanting to control my own schedule, not necessarily doing the eight to five anymore. It worked when I started in banking. It didn't work as we thought about starting a family. And so I remember kind of pushing back. And I remember the conversation vividly like it was yesterday. And again, they never said, okay, you're fired if you don't go. They just said, okay, well, we'll figure out, you know, your next spot. You know, you need to process this in the next couple of weeks. So I went back to my rotation. I was in retail credit for kind of working to learn that stuff before going out with a relationship manager, which is what I wanted to do. So I was learning the back end credit side. And I was meeting people, having coffee with people, getting to know people who were relationship managers and really enjoyed it and so i knew that's what i wanted to do either that or loan officer or something like that build relationships grow sales through relationships not being a pushy salesman like Sound familiar? That's like what I've talked about for a year to you guys. And again, I've always had that queasy feeling. And so after that meeting, I remember saying to my wife, like, something's not right. Like the rotation supervisor wasn't communicating with me for a few days. I'm about to get fired. And she was like, that's impossible. You haven't been reprimanded. You haven't been written up. There's been no disciplinary action or anything like that. And I said, I just have this weird feeling. I don't know what it is, but something's not right. It was so crazy, so they bring me in, say that I'm not learning fast enough, and that since I didn't, you know, take their recommendation to go back to the branch, they were going to terminate me. And again, never told me you're going to the branch or we're firing you, never anything like that, still never written up, disciplined. One day, just being called to the office, telling my wife, and I was done. Part of the hard part at the time was she was working at the same company, And that's what we discovered. Again, not trying to throw people under the bus. I love people at that company, but that's what they did to me where, you know, they said I wasn't learning fast enough in a rotation I had been in for two weeks. So definitely a lot more to the story, but I'm not going to bore you all day. But I remember it, February 26, 2019. I thought it was the worst day of my life. I went into a very bad downward spiral over the next few months And I'm sure we'll get into like some of the mental side and everything I went through at some point, but it would just take too long today. But I remember calling Vincent Puglisi and telling him that I got fired and saying this was the worst day of my life and I didn't know what to do. And I still remember the words. He said, John, this is the best thing that ever happened to you. Now go and build what you actually want to be doing. Now, at the time, we thought it was photography. We thought I'd create that six-figure photography business because I was doing photography on the side. Realized that I didn't want to do that. Sales and relationships was where I wanted to be. But... There you go. Lots of trauma in there that you got to hear in, you know, 15 minutes. And on the next episode, we'll kind of talk about the lull and what happened after I lost my job. Where did we connect with real estate? But what I do just want to reiterate for one is not every single one of these stops as a W 2 employee didn't work. But Many of them didn't. And it helped me realize that I was not great at having a boss, right? I wasn't great at people telling me what to do. And you will do this, you will do this. You know, I remember 18 years old, I was recruited to join the military. And I was like, oh, yeah, it'd be nice if college was paid for. But I don't want a drill sergeant screaming at me telling me what to do. And in the same way. That's how I am as an employee (laughs) in real estate now. I do what I want, basically, even in my role for the team. I do all the social media for the team. I coach and train all the new agents. I kind of run to the beat of my own drum. And so that's not always a great thing, right? But in business, it really helps me. I don't take crap from anyone, whether it be another lender or realtor trying to boss me around or do things to my clients that are not right. I stick up for my clients, care about them and care about the relationship. But there you have it. February 26, 2019, one of the most traumatizing days of my life. But now, as I look back, <laughs> one of the most amazing days of my life because I look back and it really led me to this, right? I remember that meeting 10 to 14 days prior where they said they wanted to send me to the branch to make fifty dollars to $60,000 for the rest of my life. And now I've had <laughs> months where I make $25,000 in a month, and I have definitely grown my business beyond that fifty dollars to $60,000 mark. I would never, ever go back. I wouldn't go back for quadruple the money to what I had to deal with. I wouldn't go back, and I wouldn't do it because I love the freedom that I have. I love what I get to build. I love doing this, podcasting. I love being my own boss and the flexibility that comes with it. Sometimes that can be hard, some evenings for showings and things like that. Sometimes I feel like I work long 15, 16-hour days, but then there's other days where I don't have a lot to do, and I can be with my family. Most of the time, my mornings until about noon, I really don't have a lot to do, and so I can be with my wife and our kids just hanging out at home. I can do work on the podcast, social media stuff, and that's what I get to do now. I get to do the work I love every single day, and I was very blessed. And what ended up happening, I filed for unemployment at the time from the company. And people don't know this, but whatever, like, I don't care. I had been wrongfully terminated. The... Company at the time said, No, you weren't. You were terminated with just cause. And so there was an appeal process, and unemployment determined that I had been wrongfully terminated. When they asked for records of me being written up or disciplined, because the HR person said I had been, they never showed any records because there was nothing written, verbal. There was never anything that happened. And so they lost the unemployment case. It gave us a few hundred dollars or whatever it was for six months. And it was a blessing because I was able to make a little bit of money from the unemployment. And then I worked on my next step. (laughs) You know, at the time, I was kind of an idiot because I'm like, okay, I'm going to apply for all these W-2 jobs and go apply for this job and that job. I was dumb and didn't realize at the time that, hey, you're not a good W-2 employee. But that's kind of what happened. I continued to try and apply for jobs. I probably applied for, oh, geez, I don't know, 100 to 200 jobs. and That is not an exaggeration. It was terrible. And it was a really rough six months. Now, we'll talk more about, okay, where in that did you decide, hey, go get your real estate license. But, you know, all of this, the one big lesson that I really took away from this, this awful day, February twenty sixth, and really up until that day in my career, I took away that I wasn't a good W-2 employee that I was too busy dreaming and creating and that it wasn't right for me to you know, have a W-2 job that kind of hindered me in some ways. I'm still thankful for the opportunities I had in those jobs and those companies, they taught me so much. And probably the biggest lesson I took away is don't burn bridges, right? I still have people, even supervisors at some of those jobs that I still interact with, we have great relationships, it didn't work for that company or for you know, their manager, or whatever it was. But I still have people there, and I never burned bridges. I still have friends at many of those companies, and some of them have bought homes with me. Definitely in both banks I worked at, people have bought homes. In Chick-fil-A, people have bought homes or are potential clients for me right now. And almost any job I've had the last three or four years, there has been someone from there that's connected to me in real estate whether they already bought houses or they're working on it and so it just kind of shows me like don't burn bridges and that can be so hard especially when I lost some jobs when I wasn't written up and was never reprimanded but I never burned bridges right you don't go out storming and screaming you just kind of it is what it is the decision's been made but I met so many amazing people during those jobs. And some of my best friends still work at those companies, and that's okay. It didn't work out for me. That doesn't mean it's bad for them. But I met so many contacts and connections, especially in my banking days, that Now I've helped them buy houses or connected with them in one way or another. And so even these connections that I have, these friends, even those that I stay connected with, Facebook, LinkedIn, they see me doing real estate. They see me having success with it. And when it's time for them to buy a house, they say, oh, I know a guy and he's a great realtor. And so I've tried to keep those relationships up even now, right? Even three, four, five, six, et cetera, years later. I try to keep those relationships open with them so that they see my success and see me as someone that can help them in the real estate business. So don't burn bridges was my big lesson through all of this. Wow, guys, that was an emotional episode, but we got through it. Excited to share this month, my journey with you and more of my journey with you. Really appreciate you guys listening and excited to share part two with you on the next episode. So I'll see you guys then.